Well, our, our text this morning is Romans chapter 10, uh, verses 5 through 21. Uh, and as you probably know, we're in the midst of looking at three chapters, uh, three chapters right there in the middle of Romans, uh, chapters 9, 10, and 11, uh, with all three uh, shedding fresh light on the gospel as they address some perplexing issues, some, some difficult issues, uh, and in particular addressing the problem of, of Jewish unbelief, the many questions that surround that. The Old Testament people of God, why don't they believe? Now, remember that all of this is in the context of Paul's letter, a letter that he has written to, uh, to Jewish and Gentile Christians alike, those who make up the church at Rome. And so that means that it helps clarify the gospel uh, for Jew and Gentile, uh, for the religious, for the non religious for all kinds of people, for us. Now, if you've read the passage already, uh, you've probably noticed a few places it, it feels a little confusing, and, and, and that's because in just these 17 verses, Paul directly quotes 12 Old Testament verses uh, that all of those folks would be very aware of and go, oh yeah, uh, but we'll, we'll try to make all the connections or at least most of them today and make sense of it. Now, there's a shift uh, this morning because whereas chapter 9 focused more on the past, uh, emphasizing God's purpose according to election, God's sovereign electing grace, uh, whereas chapter 9 uh, focused on God's sovereignty, uh, the shift is that now in chapter 10, the focus is more on the present, emphasizing the human factor in salvation. Human responsibility. What's our part? What's our role? Well, before we hear God, uh, God's word, uh, let's go to him in prayer. Well, almighty God, uh, you who uh, spoke all things into existence, something we even sang about uh, this morning, God of wonder, uh, we thank you for for speaking to us today, and, and, and specifically through your word, living and active as it is. And we would ask now that you would open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, our hearts to believe, and our mouths to proclaim the good news of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. And so Romans uh, chapter 10, uh, beginning with verse 5. Hear the word of God. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. 
Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction, no difference between Jew and Gentile. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But the Jews have not all obeyed, have not all accepted the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed, they have. For their voice has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? For Moses says, first Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation, With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. And then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, All day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. And this is God's word. And so we turn from God's sovereignty in chapter 9 to our responsibility in chapter 10. What's the human factor? What's the human factor in salvation uh, with regard to, to understanding the gospel, responding to the gospel? And proclaiming the gospel. Well, that's what we find here. And and so that's how we're going to take a look at our passage this morning. Uh, Understanding, responding to, and proclaiming the gospel. And so first, understanding the gospel. Verses 5 through 13. Now, if you remember, uh, Paul has just explained in the previous verses... That though the Jews are zealous for God, their zeal is misplaced and lacks understanding. You see, they recognize their need for righteousness, but they're caught up in trying to create, trying to make a righteousness of their own. And Paul explains that their mistake, it's not due to a lack of information. No, they've got everything they need in front of them. It's just that they won't stop and pay close attention to everything that God has already said to them in the Old Testament, the the Hebrew Scriptures. 
You know, and, and we do that sometimes, don't we? Don't pay very close attention to things. You know, have you ever had one of those mistakes where you misread uh, instructions, uh, didn't pay close attention uh, to directions? I, I, I remember I was preparing for a, a ministry job interview, and uh, my friend asked if, if I knew how to get there. And I said, oh, yeah, sure. I just hop on I-40, and, and I drive for about a half hour, and then, and, and what's the exit? So he wrote down the exit and the next few turns that I would need to make, and I said thanks, and I went on my way. And so I headed out on I-40 West for about a half hour until suddenly I realized I was supposed to be on I-40 East. Needless to say, I was late, but I'm grateful for God's grace. But you see, much more serious is what's going on here because We see that if they had just paid close enough attention to God's word, that the Jews would have seen, that as we heard in verse 4, that Christ ended the law as a way of righteousness, as a way to become acceptable, to be acceptable to God. And so here in verse 5, Paul wants to take them back into their Bible. He wants them to, to take a look. What does it say? And so he takes them uh, back into the Old Testament to the Torah to look closely. And Paul begins with Moses. Uh, He points out that Moses, in Leviticus 18, that Moses speaks of a law-based righteousness. Yeah, but only if one keeps the entire law all the time. And it can't be done. No one can perfectly obey the law. And so no one can be saved that way. And so then in verses 6 to 8, Paul quotes Moses again, but this time from Deuteronomy 30. And he is showing this contrast between the righteousness based on faith and the righteousness based on law. Now, this is a a fascinating passage, as, as many In the Old Testament are. But what's so fascinating is to see that Moses here in the Old Testament, he alludes to the fact that, that Israel will stray from God, that they will not keep his law. And then he says that God will rescue them. That he'll rescue his people. And how? By giving them a new heart. A new heart so that they will be able to fully love and follow God and live. Now, there, there are a couple of confusing questions that, uh, that Paul uh, references here from, from Deuteronomy. And so just to, to summarize, uh, put simply, one commentator writes this. Faith knows that we don't need to do anything for righteousness, to be righteous. You don't need to scale heaven Christ has already come down from it. Or deal with your own sins in death. Christ has already done that. Paul is showing here that Moses knew that something more than law-keeping was necessary. Moses knew that faith was needed. And that faith is simply about what you say with your mouth, precisely because it's what you believe in your heart. And in this case, it means trusting God 
for his righteousness as your righteousness. And so verse 8, Paul quotes, Paul quotes saying, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. God speaks, you believe in your heart, you rejoice with your mouth. And then Paul takes this Old Testament statement, this statement from Moses, and he explains it, he interprets it through the lens of Christ, through the gospel. Saying, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, which is the the easiest, the earliest, the, the simplest of all Christian creeds, that if you confess that and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You see, it's inward belief with outward confession. And Paul continues explaining in verse 10, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Okay, a couple of important points. It's important to note that the words justified and saved... They're referring to basically the same thing. The fullness of God's salvation. You probably noticed that. Paul makes all kinds of references to the fullness, the enormity of God's salvation. Well, it's also important to note that believing with one's heart and confessing with one's mouth are not two separate actions. Rather, they're two sides of the same coin. They're two sides of that that coin of genuine faith. In other words, confessing with your mouth is merely a part of believing with your heart. I mean, we'd expect it. Naturally, there's outward expression of inward faith. If if seen as two separate actions, if seen as two separate actions, then public profession of faith can become a, a kind of work to merit or to to secure, to ensure salvation. And and, and that would fly in the face of everything that we've been hearing in Romans. It would contradict the very message that Paul is bringing of salvation by grace through faith alone. All that's needed is faith in Jesus. Transferring trust from your own effort to trust in Christ's righteousness for you. We trust in His work, His work on our behalf, His death and resurrection. And Paul promises, he promises if we do that, he promises, verse 11, that we won't ever regret trusting Him. Never. And then he reminds us in the next couple of verses that anyone can do this. That there's no difference No difference between Jew and Gentile when it comes to both the necessity of Christ's salvation and the availability of it. For as the prophet Joel declares, everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, some call on him and some don't. 
which leads to our next point. Second, responding. Responding to the gospel, uh, verses 16 to 21. And so we're going to skip ahead for now. And this section begins, verse 16, but they have not all accepted the gospel. Some have, some some haven't. In other words, there are two responses, two responses that one can have to the gospel. Accept it and believe or reject it, which is unbelief. And Paul anticipates that there will be a couple of questions about those who have rejected it. Why? Why have they rejected it? We see that in verses 18 and 19. Question one, well, well, maybe they didn't hear the gospel. No, that's not it. That's not it. They heard it. And Paul quotes Psalm 19. He quotes Psalm 19 saying that, that just as God has revealed himself generally through creation to the ends of the world, so too he has revealed himself specifically through his word, wherever there is a Jewish community. Okay, question two. Okay, then then maybe they didn't understand, right? Maybe they didn't understand what they heard. No, that's not it either. They understood it. And Paul quotes Deuteronomy 32, saying that from their scriptures, from their very scriptures, they knew that there was a need for righteousness. They knew the nature of God and his holiness, the promise of forgiveness by substitutionary sacrifice, the promise of a Messiah who was to come, and they knew, as it says in places like Jeremiah 23, that the Lord himself could become our righteousness. They knew all that. And so the big question is, then why didn't ethnic Israel believe? Paul quotes both Moses and Isaiah. He does this to simply state that they have rejected God because of stubbornness of heart. And yet, there's a beautiful picture here. A beautiful picture. Of God's kindness in verses 20 to 21. In fact, it reminds me of of being a kid and and playing hide and seek. And just the the joy of being found, especially when you're, you know, a real little kid. But this is so much greater. Because we see that God has, has shown himself. He has revealed himself To the Gentiles. He has made himself known to people like us. People not even seeking him. So that we could find him. But then the scene, it turns tragic. It's heartbreaking. Because then we see that God is a loving father. We see him holding out his hands. Holding out his hands, inviting them to take hold by faith and to come home. But instead, they refuse to come home. They're like obstinate, rebellious children. They reject their father, they harden their hearts, and they turn away. 
And Paul makes clear, he makes clear that hearing the gospel is necessary for salvation, but that hearing is not enough. We must respond with personal trust in Christ to be saved. If you're here today, whether in person or if you're joining us live stream, and you haven't put your trust in Jesus, would you call out to him this morning? Would you call out to him? I mean, there are, there are no magic words to say, but rather, what do you believe? Based on what you have heard, what you have been hearing, what do you believe in your heart? Are you still trying to make life work on your own? Trusting in yourself, in your own efforts to be right, to be right before others, to be right with God? Or have you transferred your trust? Trusting in Christ's work for you. His work on the cross. Trusting in Him. Is that what's going on in your heart? Trusting in Him. For things that you cannot obtain on your own. Trusting in him for the forgiveness of sin. For reconciliation with God. For life everlasting. For that which you were created for. Well if you have recently put your trust in Christ. Even today. Or maybe you have questions about all that you've been hearing. I'd be glad to talk to you after the service. And Paul states, he states in verse 17, faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. But how are they to hear without someone preaching? Well, let's talk about that. Because that brings us to our final point. So lastly, proclaiming. Proclaiming the gospel, verses 14 and 15. So now we're we're back to the middle of our passage. And so let me reread those verses. Verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone Preaching, And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Well, the point is this. The point is that God has purposed that the good news about his son, that the good news about Jesus would be communicated through human beings like you and like me. Like you and like me. Okay, so the key here is it's in the Greek word translated preaching. Now we've got it here in, in verse 14. Uh, we also have it in, in verse 15 and all the way back up in verse 8. And the word is keruso. Keruso, which means to proclaim, to be a herald, to make announcements. 
And so back then, heralds were, in a sense, like living newspapers. Or like in, in the musical. My, my kids love the musical Newsies. Well, they're, they're like the Newsies. Selling the papers. Crying out, extra, extra. Read all about it. This is the news you need to know. And so in Paul's day, heralds were essential. They were essential for the transmission of news and important information. Everybody relied on them. And so Caruso can be translated as preach, just like it is in these two verses. You know, the very thing that, that I'm doing right now from behind this pulpit. But given the context, given the broader context, a better translation is proclaimed which is the way it's translated back up in verse 8. And and some of your English translations uh, will have it for all three of those verses. It's better translated proclaim because here it refers to all Christians proclaiming the gospel. Yes, we're all called to proclaim. In that sense, we're all called to preach, to speak of Jesus, to family, to friends, to neighbors, co-workers, whoever the Lord brings in our paths. Sometimes it's short conversations. Sometimes it's long conversations over many years, bits and pieces along the way. One commentator writes this, Christ, through his church, sends out missionaries, preachers, and ordinary Christians in all places and all times, to be messengers for him. God has sent each of us with the message of his salvation. Friends, that's pretty awesome. I mean, that is an incredible thing to be a part of. Now, do you remember when incredible things happened to you as a kid? Do you remember show and tell? I mean, show and tell was great. I loved it as a kid, because you could, you could tell about those things that, that had just happened, or especially if you got something, maybe for your birthday or Christmas, you could show everybody what you got. And why, why was show and tell so great? Well, it's so great because joy is not complete until it's been shared. Joy is not complete until it's been shared. I mean, think about it. If something great happens to you, even now, those of you who are adults, even now, something great, maybe it's at work or at school. Uh, maybe it's a big play by your team or a big win. Or maybe you finally got that thing that you'd been working towards, that you had been, been longing for for so long. What do you do? You don't keep it to yourself. You don't don't keep it bottled up inside. No, you share it. You share it with family and friends. You share it because the joy would not be complete otherwise. And so the Christian life is to be like that. It's to be adult show and tell. It's sharing the joy. The joy of Jesus. The joy of knowing him The joy of making him known. The joy of being cleansed by his work. The peace that that affords, even in the midst of hard times. 
Well, the greatest show and tell ever was God showing and telling his love for us in Jesus. God was eager to proclaim to us, eager to proclaim the gospel. And he invites us to join him and to share in his joy. For everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, the greatest show and tell ever. Thank you for showing yourself to us, for speaking your truth the word of Christ, into our hearts that we might believe and be saved. And we would ask now that you would continue to work in us, continue to to stoke that joy within, that we might proclaim your gospel, that we might share in that joy and see others call on your name and be saved. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.